Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. It's Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Brad Klein and Cameron Ezer, happy to be with you for a jam-packed show. A little bit of everything on this show. Five-star review, a little inside scoop on Syracuse basketball's recruitment on Kyle Flipowski. And Dino Baber says that this might be the best quarterback room he's ever seen at Syracuse. We'll let you know what we think on that later. But Cameron, we have to begin today with the biggest non-recruiting basketball story in the Syracuse realm this week. It was Woody Newton, the freshman who everyone thought would be pretty good, very athletic guy, transferred after one year on the hill to Oklahoma State. Told the Oklahoman, hey, I lost trust in the Syracuse basketball coaching staff. Begs the question, hey, with the max exodus of Syracuse basketball right now, is that a motif? And do you trust Syracuse basketball's coaching staff? I trust them only because of the success that has followed this Syracuse coaching staff. You've looked at the past five years, and everyone doubts Jim Beheim. Everyone doubts the rest of the coaching staff because of the lackluster regular seasons in the past couple of years, even the years before that. But all of a sudden, this is a group that's made three Sweet 16s in the last five years. And if it's any college program... That's all you need success-wise. You want to make it far in the tournament. You want to advance. And this coaching staff has gotten Syracuse to that point, even if the regular seasons haven't been there and there's been a lot of doubt in the program. Woody Newton is a freshman, or was a freshman, will be a sophomore, and it shows in this scenario. It's a guy that didn't play a lot, but expected to play a lot. I think he was almost entitled to thinking that he deserved playing time. He was entitled. Yeah, I just think that in his first four games, scored nine points in all of them. And then all of a sudden, after getting COVID, after the COVID pause and everything going on there, only played five more times for the rest of the season. So yeah, did he deserve playing time after his performance uh, in the you know the first half of the season? Maybe even a little before that, probably. But he just didn't you know play up to standard in practice, whatever it may be. And Jim Beheim and the rest of the coaching staff had to look at the freshmen and say, we have some upperclassmen on this team that deserve the playing time and deserve those minutes. And unfortunately for Woody Newton. He just didn't perform in that in the practice scenario, whatever it was. We didn't see it firsthand because he didn't play a lot on the court. He's a freshman. I think he thought he should be playing more. But this is a first-year guy. It's about development when you first get to a program. Yes, I agree with you there. I didn't agree with anything you said up until that, and I'll tell you why in a second. Brad Klein and Cameron Ezera, happy to be with you until 10 a.m. on the score 1260. Talking about Woody Newton losing trust in Syracuse basketball right now as a program. Follow us on Twitter at OrangeFizz. We have a poll for you. We will reveal the results later in the show about, hey, who trusts Syracuse basketball right now? If not Woody Newton, who does Fizz Nation? We'll see. And also, OrangeFizz.net wrote an article about this about how I feel about Woody Newton saying that he completely lost trust in Syracuse's recruiting, uh, excuse me, coaching staff. And a lot of people out there might be wondering, hey, Woody Newton played kind of well, kind of not, the way you kind of framed him. Why do we care what this guy thinks? Well, it's because this might be indicative 
of the way the other transfers felt of this program. And that's maybe why they left. You're looking for an answer. I think this is the closest thing we have to it. And, you know, in that article on orangefizz.net, go check it out. I mentioned how Jim Beheim related the transfer situation to Michael Carter-Williams, right? And it feels a little Michael Carter-Williams-y in that MCW was not especially good his freshman year. In his freshman year, he averaged 2.7 points per game, played just over 10 minutes per game, and no one really thought much of him. Thought he was a long guy that could play the zone, kind of an athlete, not much else. Mm -hmm. Turns around the next year, and he makes the All-ACC, makes that make that All-Big East second team, started all 40 of SU's 40 games, more than quadrupled his scoring average, and then he was drafted in the lottery. By the way, he won conference most improved player as well. So the point is, Cameron, you're right in that he wasn't very good, but you were hoping he would develop. I get that. Here's why I don't trust Syracuse's coaching staff anymore. It's because they are center. They make their living on recruiting guys. And with immediate eligibility so prominent in the game right now, that's not a sustainable model. No one's going to stick around to be developed and sit in the doghouse. I said in the article, the doghouse might as well just be called the transfer portal. Right. Uh, yeah, but then in this situation, you have Buddy Beheim, you have Alan Griffin, you have Quincy Guerrier, Marek Dolajai. Those are guys that have shown that they deserve playing time. Let's say you bring in four or five freshmen. How do you divvy up the minutes there? That's one thing that if you look at Woody Newton, if he isn't outperforming anyone of the starters or anyone that deserves at least 25 minutes of play, Woody Newton's not getting 25, 30 minutes of playing time. And I think Woody No Newton, one wants him to get 25 or 30 minutes of playing he time. He does, though. Well, of, of course he yeah. does. Players want to play, and, that, and that's not a secret. And I, no one is calling for Jim Beheim to give Woody Newton 25 to 30 minutes. That's irresponsible coaching. But when you think about what this guy provides, athlete, good slasher from the wing, I think he was a, he was a, a lot more versatile than Robert Braswell. And you were kind of underselling the way Newton played early in the season. Newton played well early in the season, and then he got COVID, and then he had to sit, and then he never came back. And that's why he transferred. That's why he lost faith in the coaching staff. So, look, am I saying that he should have played 25, 30 minutes? No. Should he have gotten DNP CDs left and right? Absolutely not. And that is absolutely why he transferred and why he lost faith in the coaching staff. I agree. And, yes, is that is that a knock on the coaching staff? It could be. But, again, we didn't see the behind-the-scenes effects after what happened during the COVID pause and if Woody Newton would have even made an impact. I agree that Jim Beheim is stubborn in his ways that, you know, if a guy isn't playing great or a guy – hasn't been around the program a, a really long time. I agree that a lot of the times he'll sit him down and he, he's an old school coach. He'll try to develop him. He'll try to teach these younger guys that you got to earn your stripes. But in this situation, if you looked at the roster that Syracuse was putting forward, Robert Braswell really was only inserted in that Alan Griffin role when Griffin started to struggle. And that was late down the stretch. If you would say Woody Newton should have been in for Alan Griffin, then you didn't watch the latter half, I would say, maybe no. halfway to the three-quarters point of when Alan Griffin was actually playing I'm not, well. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying here, and it's Brad Klein and Cameron Ezer on Fizz Radio until 10 a.m. on the score 1260. Follow us on Twitter at Orange Fizz. Check out our website, orangefizz.net, where we have an article dissecting Woody Newton losing faith 
in the Syracuse program and the Syracuse basketball coaching staff. And I'm not saying that Newton should have played over Alan Griffin, and I'm hardly even saying that he should have played over Robert Braswell. All I'm pointing out is, and Cameron, you just said this 15 seconds ago, is that Syracuse, they develop guys, and that's what they do. And Jim Beheim is an old-school guy, like you said. He's going to make you earn your stripes, and I'm not against that. All I'm saying is, the country is, the yes. NCAA is, the freshmen are, the recruits are, and Woody Newton absolutely is. No one wants to earn anything anymore. And, I, and I'm going to sound very old man, get off my lawny here, but it's absolutely true. Kadari Richmond was basically a, a co-starter with Joe Girard. It still wasn't enough, and he still left. Now look, maybe there's something else there. Maybe there's something else. There's another reason that Kadari Richmond left. But you talking about earning your stripes... There's no way Woody Newton's going to buckle up for that, and that's why he's gone. Now, Syracuse has to realize very, very quickly, and maybe it's now, that it's an unsustainable model. It used to be sustainable. It used to be a championship-building model. No longer the case. I agree. The NCAA right now with this immediately immediate eligibility almost clause is saying we support the one-and-dones. We support transfers. We support guys not sticking with their teams if they're not comfortable in the system or if they're not getting playing time. The issue that I see with that, and I don't know if you agree with me, is the fact that recruits are coming into college expecting to play right away. Yeah. And Woody Newton wanted the same amount of attention that he didn't that he got in his recruiting process in his freshman year. But what he has to realize is he's not competing against other recruits now to try to get into a college. It's not his choice anymore. He's competing with juniors and seniors and even in some cases grad students. I think it's a flawed system, and I agree. It's not sustainable, this developmental, you know, uh, what Jim Beheim's been doing over time. It's not sustainable in this new system. No, and does, absolutely does not. Does something have to change? Yes, and that's where I think the trust factor has to come in. And I do trust this coaching staff to an extent. So we both agree that Woody Newton is at fault here, that Woody Newton was expecting too much of his freshman year at the NCAA level. What we disagree on is that I'm saying, hey, read the writing on the wall. Even though it is Woody Newton's fault, it's going to continue to be that recruit, that freshman's fault over and over again. And yet that freshman or that recruit will continue to mess this program up and throw them off their track. So Syracuse has to adapt or die, as Billy Bean said in Moneyball. But when we return, we're going to talk about the gridiron. Dino Babers says it's the best quarterback room he's ever seen on the hill. Do you agree? Do we agree? We'll let you know on the other side. It's Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Back here on Fizz Radio on the score 1260, Brad Klein and Cameron Ezer taking you until the 10 o'clock hour. And Cameron, we, di- we dissected Syracuse basketball a little bit, Woody Newton losing faith in the Syracuse basketball coaching staff, and follow us on Twitter at Orange Fizz for the poll and get your voice heard, and also check out our website, orangefizz.net, to see what we have to say about it as well. But now we have to shift over to Syracuse football with spring football basically coming to a close here. And Dino Babers saying that right now it's the best quarterback room he's seen on the hill. 
quantity over quality, if nothing else. You have Tommy DeVito, the transfer Garrett Schrader, Jacoby and Morgan and Dylan Markowitz, and then the freshman, Justin Lampson, who a lot of people seem to like. So really, no one knows who the starter's going to be. Baber says it's an open competition, and between five guys, I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, I don't know how to take it. For a team that won 1-10 last season, where it just seemed like the sentiment was Tommy DeVito until he fails or gets injured, and then that happened. Uh, I do agree that this is one of the best quarterback classes that has been at Syracuse only because of the quantity. But you're right. It lacks a lot of quality. It lacks a lot of faces that are proven at the college level. I mean, Garrett Schrader had one good season, and then he got replaced. Tommy DeVito, again, had one okay season back in 2019. Jacoby and Morgan played the final three games of last season. And Lampson, I really like Justin Lampson, but he hasn't played a college game yet. Same with Markowitz. What, he's played one or two snaps? So quality-wise, you're right. It's not really there. But potential-wise, ceiling-wise, this team does have one of the best quarterback classes that Syracuse has seen. And that begs the question, that's why I'm going to toss it right back over to you, who should start? Because it's the question that I think Dino Babers is asking himself every day, if not, the media is asking Dino Babers every day. So, okay, first of all, I can see a world where all these guys start, any of these guys. There are five, and I can see a possible path for all of them, okay? Now, is it less likely that Justin Lamson starts than, say, Tommy DeVito? Absolutely. But I can see it. It's possible. You can see that. It's possible. I'm not saying it's going to happen. It's possible. I, I think if Justin Lamson is the starter, then the most likely path for him to start is definitely replacement midseason. He looks really good in, in practice while everyone else just can't play. That I can see as, like, Probably. He'll probably be QB5 to start. Yeah. Probably. You know? Um, but beyond that, I-, I think you have to go with consistency to start. And what does that even mean? What does that even look like? Bottom line is, Syracuse football hasn't had a starting quarterback for all game for every game in a single season since 2012, since Ryan Nassib. And you know, part of that is Eric Dungey and his injuries, but it- it's a problem, right? So... I think Tommy DeVito is the starter week one, and no one wants to hear that. <laughs> no one wants to hear that, and I understand. Honestly, I don't even want to hear myself say that, but I just said it, and here's why. Jacoby and Morgan did not show me enough, did not even come close to showing me enough. They showed flashes, but he didn't look like an ACC quarterback just yet, and maybe that's because he was a freshman, probably was because he was a freshman, but did he take a big enough step up to own that job going forward week one? Probably not. Dylan Markowitz, I like Dylan Markowitz. I probably feel the way you feel about Justin Lampson to Dylan Markowitz. I think he has a very real chance of being the quarterback of the future, but it's unlikely that he has enough time and enough snaps in camp to win that job. And Garrett Schrader was a wide receiver, hasn't been in the system very long. I can't see him being the quarterback week one. So I think almost by default it's going to be Tommy DeVito, but it's everyone's job to win and Tommy's to lose. That's the way I feel is that he's going to be walking on eggshells, right? One mistake and he's going to be gone. I think that the leash is extremely short for all of these guys. I agree with the fact that it's Tommy DeVito's job by default. I disagree that it's a short leash on DeVito. Wow. Because I've been looking at the Syracuse program and looking at Tommy DeVito and 
almost wanting to just tell Dino Babers, have a shorter leash on DeVito. And it just hasn't happened. So at this point, I have no confidence that the leash well, has you, shortened okay, on DeVito. So I'll tell you why, okay? Dino Babers has not recruited well at Syracuse, and that's not a mystery. That's not a secret. But the crown jewel of his recruiting in his time at Syracuse is Tommy DeVito. So if he fails, then we can basically say that Dino Babers as a recruiter has failed. And now, beyond the quarterback position, he kind of has. Let's be honest. A lot of three stars left and right. Very little, hey, let's reel in this four-star guy and get him here. No, and Syracuse football fans are tired of three stars and, and hoping that they play like four or five stars. That's not a sustainable model for an ACC program, and yet that's what Dino Babers has been selling this fan base for years. So, yeah, that's why he's been playing. I think at this point, that ship has kind of sailed, and that's why he has a short leash. Yeah, Tommy DeVito will start. Garrett Schrader, in my opinion, should start. Wowza. So, DeVito, I just think he's going to start only because of what we've seen from Dino Babers. If there's any like form of consistency from this Syracuse football team— either last year, year before, whatever it may be. It's the fact that no matter how Tommy DeVito plays, he's starting. So that's why I think Tommy DeVito is starting. But I think Garrett Schrader should start because of everything that he showed back in 2019. And I know it was back in 2019. He doesn't know this system as well. But I think he fits this system. I think the spread offense works really well with this Syracuse football team only because they can utilize the RPOs, utilize the run game a bit more, and Schrader has the arm and the accuracy to throw deep downfield. Back in 2019, 88 for 153. That's a 58% completion rate. It's not like DeVito can do much better. Only eight touchdowns to five interceptions. So it's a guy that it's not eye-popping stats, but it's there. At least you've seen something that's proven. He was only sacked 15 times, and you could say that DeVito was sacked an enormous amount of times because of that offensive line. But Garrett Schrader has some kind of comfortability in the pocket that Tommy DeVito doesn't have. He has the ability to escape the pocket. Tommy DeVito, in his one best season, averaged a yard per carry. Garrett Schrader, on okay. the other hand, five yards per carry. It, I that's, think That's unfair. That's unfair because Why? in college football, sacks count against your rushing yards, and he's been sacked a lot. Okay, but do you think that if you take away all those sacks, Tommy DeVito's averaging five yards per carry? No, but that's, that's not his game. True, and I, but that's why I think that Garrett Schrader should start because his game works well with the system. So the funny thing, that's a fallacy, okay? The, the funny thing is the best quarterback in this system at Syracuse ever has been Eric Dungy. And a lot of people just assume because of that, you need a mobile quarterback, you need a dual-threat quarterback. It's not true. The the prototypical quarterback for this system is Tommy DeVito. Now, probably a better version of Tommy DeVito, but the way DeVito plays, that's the way this system is meant to be driven. That's the driver, is Tommy DeVito. Dungy was playing out of system, and he played really well. Do I agree with you? Kinda. I think it'd be nice to have someone that could get some, some free yards on the ground. DeVito does not provide you that, and more importantly, with this tragedy of an offensive line, it would be nice to have someone that could create a little something out of nothing, but that's unfair to say that Tommy DeVito shouldn't be playing because he can't run. That's not his game. He hasn't tried to run. 
but he can barely throw at an accurate rate either. Well, again, he's throwing on his back, and I understand that this is not really a valid excuse because Schrader will have to deal with the exact same offensive line, Morgan, Markowitz, Lampson, you name it. But I'm explaining to you that it's not quite his fault. He's not 1,000% off the hook here. Don't get me wrong. But if Syracuse has a better offensive line, which they should, then I think I want to see Tommy DeVito behind it, driving this offense, driving this bus one more time. Quick hook, one more time. Yeah, I'm fine with one more time. But when does it, when does it get to the point where it's one more time? Then he has an okay game. Two more times. Three more times. Now you get into game, <clears throat> pardon me, you get into game five or six, all of a sudden, Tommy DeVito starting a majority of the season at an okay rate or an okay pace. Garrett Schrader has the intangibles. He's shown it before. I don't think Tommy DeVito does. It's a big if to say, if Syracuse has a better offense, yeah, if any team in the country has a better offensive line, it gives the quarterback more time. But when Tommy DeVito wasn't sacked, it was against Holy Cross and it was against Western Michigan. Now you put him in really good ACC competition. Let's say his O-line is better. D- does Tommy DeVito have the same success against cornerbacks that were actually recruited to play on a good football team? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> we'll <laughs> it's see. A, it's a debate. We'll see. I, I think you really want Garrett Schrader to be Eric Dungy, and, and I want Schrader to be Dungy too. I'm just warning you that no one really is. So if you're trying to recreate that, good luck. My condolences. <laughs> Brad Glenn and Cameron is there on Fizz Radio until the 10 o'clock hour. We're going back to the recruiting trail. Five-star review on the other side. It's Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Five-star review on Fizz Radio. Underrated. I don't know if you realize this, <laughs> but the little five-stars thing, that's from an SNL sketch. I was like really proud of myself that I picked that up. I like it extra now that you mentioned yeah, that. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you the link. <laughs> Brad Klein and Cameron is there on Fizz Radio until 10 a.m. Five-star review. We're going to be talking about the latest in Syracuse basketball recruiting, and the latest comes from Indiana, where the Hoosiers – have offered Kyle Flipowski, who has kind of become a late bloomer in terms of Syracuse interest. Could he go to the Hill? Who knows? But Kyle Flipowski now has an offer from Indiana as well. The question is, how does, how does this impact Syracuse's chances of landing him? I say it only hurts because Indiana is a budding program now with Mike Woodson that could be very attractive for a power forward like Flipowski. For all intensive purposes, I'm going to call Flipowski Flip because That's he fine. refers to himself uh, that way on Twitter and uh, around the entire landscape when and it comes. And it's easier. Right, exactly. Yeah. So I actually think this helps. Syracuse's chances at flip because right now it's UCLA and it's Iowa that are the front runners as well as Ohio State for flip and if you look at those three schools they've been pressing flip really hard and at this point those are his top three undoubtedly now Syracuse just made an offer what was it last week and then Indiana followed it up just a couple days ago so I actually don't think that this can hurt Syracuse because Syracuse is already behind on the recruitment of flip And if Indiana offers Flip so late, this gives Syracuse the chance to say, well, we're actually not behind. Other schools are still trying to offer Flip, 
And even though he has his top three schools and he has schools that have already shown interest in the past year or so, Syracuse isn't late in this process and it gives Syracuse a runner's chance. Yes, Indiana up and coming. I understand that Mike Woodson. You can talk a lot about that program, but I don't think that Flip is considering Indiana any more than he is Syracuse over UCLA, Iowa, and Ohio State. So if Syracuse can show that we're not that behind, we might have a, a pusher's chance. I actually think this benefits Syracuse in the long run. Six foot ten power forward, two hundred and fifteen pounds, but a four star with a composite rating on 247 Sports of 97. So he's looking pretty good. The 10th best power forward in the country and the number one power forward in Massachusetts. So class of 2022 could be a nice addition for that 2-3 zone and the kind of guy I could see if he puts on some weight eventually being a 5 rather than a 4, actually likely being a 5. And we know that Syracuse basketball could use a legitimate, solid, indisputable center in that 2-3 zone. It's been quite a while since they've had one, and they're still looking for one this season as well. But Kyle Flipowski has his fair share of options here, and you mentioned that there are some front runners. There are some other teams, though, that I'm looking at, and if I'm Syracuse, I'm afraid of. Now, this is coming from a guy who on past episodes of Fizz Radio, I think it was actually three weeks ago, last time I was on, went on the record on these airwaves and said, if I was a recruit, there's no way I'm going to Syracuse. So I don't really see what the appeal is for a Flipowski, and it's hard. It's a hard sell right now, especially with everything going on, especially with what we talked about earlier in the show with Woody Newton losing trust in that Syracuse coaching staff. By the way, if you missed that, you can go back on orangefizz.net and take a look at our podcasted version of our episode and check us out on Twitter also at orangefizz. But it's a hard sell for Flip. Yeah, Brad, I don't think there's any appeal. Do I think Flip should come to Syracuse? No, as someone that supports... Hopefully he's not listening. <laughs> as someone that supports Syracuse, of course, you're going to hope that, that Flip comes because, again, 6'10", 215, those guys don't just come around the block every single day. If you watch his game closely, it's a run-and-gun type player in transition that can shoot the ball, that can drive to the cup, and that can also dunk with ease. So if you're looking at Flip as an all-around player, he's perfect. This is a guy that you want. He can stack up your class of 2022 with already Kamari Lands and a few other offers on the table for a few other players within the top 100, according to ESPN and 247 Sports. But there isn't a lot of appeal. And that's why I think it's all banked on Jim Beheim's experience and all banked on Jerry McNamara and the leadership that he brings to the Syracuse team. I've gone on record like you have saying, not on, these, uh, not on this show, but saying that Jerry McNamara is the most important person on the Syracuse basketball team because for the Orange to have success, it's all about recruiting and the recruits haven't been that stellar in the past couple of years. And if Jerry McNamara can use his leadership, use his experience, I think he has a chance to lure Flip into this program. But there isn't a lot of appeal, Brad. I'm not saying that. And, and this is kind of a side note to the whole Kyle Flipowski getting another offer from Indiana. Does this impact his chances of landing in central New York? And we'll, we'll get back to that, but a little side note here. You mentioned Jerry McNamara is the primary recruiter here, and you know McNamara's ability to land a six foot ten power forward. Doesn't that kind of don't you kind of have trouble saying that? Like, come on. Jerry yeah. McNamara was a good player for Syracuse. 
Syracuse legend and a good recruiter as well. But when you're relying on Jerry McNamara to recruit your center of the future, <laughs> there's an issue there. And look, and I've gone on record in saying this again, I'm going to say it again. Alan Griffin is a good coach, and I want him to be employed by the university. He cannot be the bigs coach. He just can't be. He has no business being the bigs coach. But why? Because he was not a big. That's why. I think it, first of all, I think it should be Daywan Coleman. So, Daywan Coleman, if you're listening, come back to Central <laughs> New York. I think that's what's best for the program. But either way, you're going to have a tough time recruiting Flip because you have a guard recruiting him. It's going to be tough, and you're a tall guy. It's going to be tough when someone's, you know, straining their neck looking up at you and saying, hey, Kyle. Come to Syracuse. That's a tough sell. Yeah, but Brad, Jerry McNamara acts as a good source because he's won a national championship and he knows the college game through and through. So, yeah, it's tough. Does Does Patrick Ewing at Georgetown have a better chance at another recruit like Donovan yeah. Klingon? And he's also, you know, Georgetown has also uh, put in an offer for Flip as well. Yes, does, does he have a better chance there? Yeah, but then you can say, well, Syracuse is a more touted program right now, and success-wise, you saw him make it to the Sweet 16 this past season. So, yeah, am I a little concerned that it's Jerry McNamara trying to recruit a center? I'm, I'm concerned that it's Jim Bay having to use his 46-year experience to try to lure Flip. It's not even the fact that Flip is, you know, so anxious to get to the hill. But the only thing that, you know, that I see as a good omen is right after Flip got off the phone with Jim Beheim and Jerry McNamara. Right after that, he called his, uh, his AAU head coach. And all of a sudden, his head coach said, well, you know, we were just on a two-hour phone call and he wouldn't do that if he wasn't excited. Now, that could be just because of the Syracuse lore and the fact that this is a program that has had success and you could say is on the fence or the fringe of Blue Blood just a couple years ago. But, yeah, there, there is some concern that it's Jerry McNamara trying to recruit a guy that's 6'10", 250. That, I, it's not a surprise. And, I mean, looking at the success of guys that are 6'10", 215 going through Syracuse, what are you going to point out Marek Dolajai in the past couple of years after eating a few pizza slices and gaining 20 pounds. Yeah. I don't think there's a lot of, uh, uh, you can't really look at Syracuse and say, well, this is a perfect spot for a guy that's 6'10 that can run the floor. I agree with you. And Brad Klein Cameron is there here on Fizz Radio until 10 o'clock. Five-star review talking about Kyle Flipowski receiving another offer from Indiana, big-time program surging with Mike Woodson at the helm. And you talk a lot about the different options that he has, and both of us agree, he should not come to Syracuse. That's just, he shouldn't. Let's be honest. But there is another guy out there, 2022 center Donovan Klingon, who just has listed his top eight. Syracuse basketball made the cut. So that's a big deal for the program. But you look at who else is there, and he has offers from Boston College. He has offers from UConn and Georgetown and Iowa and Illinois. And those are all teams that are also in on Flipowski. Now, will they get both? Probably not. No. Definitely not. But the point is, Syracuse is being outbid and and recruited against by these other schools that have a better rapport when it comes to recruiting and especially developing bigs into NBA bigs. Iowa especially. UConn. I mean, you think about a cook a cook choosing UConn over Syracuse. Mm -hmm. That still stinks for Syracuse basketball fans. You think about 
even a, a program like who else made this list? I mean, it was Michigan State was on this list too. Yeah, yeah. I I just I mean track record is a huge thing. Yeah, you're right. I mean I mean even Georgetown before Kudus Wahab transferred. I mean this is a guy that oh, Patrick the, Ewing helps, and the fact that right. you have Jerry McNamara recruiting against <laughs> Patrick Ewing is you know it's laughable. And for Donovan Klingon, if you're trying to uh, look at him and you try to compare the two, him and Flip, go check out my article on OrangeFizz.net where I break down all eight teams where Donovan Klingon is considering why that's important in the recruitment of Flip is because you got to get one or the other. Klingon's seven one. Flipkowski is is six ten. It's not like you're gonna you know run two centers down low in a two three zone where you need one guy on almost the wing to push up in the two three zone. But for Klingon, you look at a school like Michigan. And it's Hunter Dickinson, and he's shown that Michigan can have success at the center position. And it's the same yeah. with Flip, and that's why I think that Flip goes elsewhere. But it's a great, uh, it's a great offer put forward by Syracuse because it shows that they're going all in on the class of 2022. Justin Taylor, you've looked at other guys, and that's a guard, but you've looked at other guys that are considering Syracuse. If Syracuse can make the top three, top four on a bunch of recruiting lists, that could bode well for the future. Now, unfortunately, we're not talking about the future. We're talking about Flip right now. So, I, I mean, there's not a lot of confidence surrounding it. You have a guard trying to recruit him. You have a guy in Jim Beheim that it just seems like he wants to develop players, as we talked about earlier in the show. And it, it turns into a situation where Syracuse has not produced a lot of great center production. Real quick. You can only have one. Who would you rather have, Donovan Klingon or Kyle Flipowski? Donovan Klingon. Why? More of a pure center. He's a guy that can still do it all, but he has great hands and feet in the post. And if Syracuse was going to go after someone that's 6'10 and taller, they rely on their guards to shoot at about 6'5 or 6'6. Syracuse does not need a run-and-gun transition guy in 6'10 over someone that can play the block on the offensive side and use his footwork to get to the cup. I agree. Kyle Flipowski, six foot ten, two fifteen, good player. Donovan Klingon, a man at seven foot one, two fifty-five. That alleviates every need, want, and desire for Syracuse basketball fans that they've been calling for in the middle of that two-three zone for the past few years. So that puts a wrap to our very first for the two of us, very first five-star review there. If you missed it, go check it out on orangefizz.net or on Twitter at orangefizz. But when we return, we're going to hear from you, Fizz Nation. It's Fizz Feedback on the other side. You're listening to Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Back here on Fizz Radio on the score 1260, Brad Klein and Cameron Izair on the home stretch here of this, this edition of Fizz Radio. And now we return to Fizz Feedback like we do at the end of every show. So let's hear from Fizz Nation. Let's do it. The first one is our first topic of uh, of the day about Woody Newton. Woody Newton lost trust in the Syracuse coaching staff. We already talked about that. Where do you think Fizz Nation went? Did the did the audience trust or do the audience trust Jim Beheim and company with their firstborn? Yeah. Is it more of a secondborn scenario, or is it just no? Nah, I'm not. I'm not pushing my kids there. Well, as a firstborn myself, I know that <laughs> there's a premium on the firstborn. So. I'm going to say that that's probably a little strong. I'm going to go second born. 
So second born's actually the least voted for at 28.9%. Absolutely not at 37.1% out of around 200 votes. So I'm not surprised. I don't know about you, Brad. I would say I'm a bit surprised with the first born uh, with the voting there by by Fizz Nation at 34%. Would you say the same? I guess. Look, you this is your first time on Fizz Radio. Let me clue you in here. Let's do it. All right. Fizz Nation tends to be a little bit of, sometimes they're homers, okay? <laughs> and you guys listening at home, you got to realize that, in reality, Woody Newton basically said, I don't trust them, and that should be uh, should speak volumes to you. So, uh, yeah, Fizz Nation is maybe in denial here, but I like it. Yeah, I, I like the absolutely not um, uh, that voting the best, only because... You know, Woody Newton, we've seen it with a bunch of transfers last year. We saw it with Kadari Richmond this year. It just seems like what's happening in the Syracuse basketball yep. world. So it makes sense. Now we move on to our second topic, which was about Dino Babers, mm. saying this, this is the best QB room he's seen at Syracuse. You know, big big words from the head man, and it's between DeVito, Schrader, the two sophomores, and Morgan and Markowitz, and then Lampson. Who do you think Fizz Nation wants to start in week one or maybe thinks will start in week one? I like the way you frame that because there's a difference between who should start and who (laughs) Fizz Nation wants to start. I think you are the voice of the people. You wanted Garrett Schrader. I think everyone else does too. Coming from the SEC, everyone's eyes probably lit up. Would you be surprised if I told you that Garrett Schrader and Tommy DeVito are not just neck neck and neck? They're exactly voted for same wow. percentage, forty six point two percent. Oh my god, forty six! I was, I'm not kidding. I was gonna guess forty six. Really? Yeah, I'm serious. Yeah, that would that would have been my second guess too. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Tommy DeVito, Garrett Schrader at the top. I'm not surprised that it's those two because how I frame the question: who should start and who will start? It seems like Fizz Nation is on the board with that, where Tommy DeVito and Garrett Schrader are at the top. I'm inch. I would be interested to ask again who should start and who you want to start is two different questions because I think the votes would divvy up a bit more. Yeah, I I do. And I'm the one who posed this poll on Twitter and I have the sophomores group together. I actually thought that the sophomores would get a little bit more love because you get the pro Morgan Lampson got more. Oh, yeah? Lampson got more love. Well, that's a little ridiculous. (laughs) You got the pro Morgan people and the pro Markowitz people on one little button, on one little option there. So I figured you'd play the odds a little bit for those sophomores. But, again, I think that any player, any quarterback in that room has a path. Now, some are, you know, some are a little bit more yellow brick roadie than the others, but I, I think it's possible for any of them. Like I said before, I would start Tommy DeVito. Why? Because I don't think anyone else will have a prime opportunity, enough reps to really prove themselves week one. But, quick hook. Am I opposed to Garrett Schrader starting for the bulk of the season? Absolutely not. If he proves himself in practice, then why not? I- I'm I'm there. Give me this. I think Garrett Schrader starts game three. Game three? I think he starts game three. So I'll tell you, okay, so let's look at it because I think that's a tough sell because, and even I'm saying this as someone who thinks that Tommy DeVito should start week one, you could fall into the trap of, okay, DeVito starts week one against a cupcake schedule and does that for the first few games. Let's look at the schedule right now. And then he basically just never loses the job because, well, he might be struggling in ACC play, but look at how good he was early in the season. Yeah, it's it's a, it's something to look at. I mean, Ohio, Rutgers, UAlbany, Liberty are the okay, first Okay, so you mean to tell games. me that it's not possible that DeVito just balls out against Ohio? I think it's very possible. I, I think so. But I, I have a feeling that, okay, this is, this is, a, this is a stretch. 
Can Dino Babers find it within himself to look at Tommy DeVito after the first two games and say, let's switch things up a bit? Not let's, if he let's plays try. well. Not let's if he tr- plays well. Yeah, no. Yeah. Now, now, after you know, further diving into the schedule, I think it might take until the first two or three ACC games yeah. to even get a look at Schrader. But, uh, of course, that's for the season, and the season hasn't started but, but yet. But that's so we'll why the then. week one starter matters so much. Right. Typically, it doesn't, especially for a project team like Syracuse that's not looking to win any sig- anything significant this year. They win six games. It is the best-case scenario, in my opinion. Best-case scenario. So, I, for a team that does not have national championship hosts, uh, rather hopes, the week one starter could not matter anymore because you have to figure that's going to be your starter for the mo- the majority of the season. Right, especially with the four non-con games yeah. to start. Now, Brad, I'm going to get on you for this final question yeah, because how you phrased it, will Kyle Flipkowski go to Syracuse? Now, <laughs> for Fizz Nation, and I think for both of us included, the hope is he comes to Syracuse, sure. right? Now, what was I going to say? Do you want <laughs> Kyle Flipkowski to go to Syracuse? I don't know how you'd phrase this question properly, for bias not to roll in and for the idea that yes would not come out on top. So I'm yeah, not even going to give right. you I'm not even going to give you the option to guess because you know 54% of Fizz Nation said yes. Not surprised. You know what? Good for you Fizz Nation. Typically I think you'd be a little bit more biased. But you did a good <laughs> job there. I, 54%. Look, is it is is it 50-50 that he comes to Syracuse? Absolutely not. But Typically, I'm seeing like 80% on these. So Yeah, so uh, I think the maybe so took away from some of the no's. Yeah, yes, no, maybe so. So I, I'm getting on you for, for the question phrasing, but I like the maybe so's because it you know it goes back to the people in Fizz Nation that think, yeah, I want him to go here. Will he? Probably not. Which question framing, and when I say question framing, <laughs> I mean option framing, did you like more, the Woody Newton one or the Kyle Flipowski one? Kyle Flipowski one rhymes. Yes, no, maybe so. I would go Woody Newton over all the questions just because the options. <laughs> the options are good. I'm not gonna lie. It's a, that's good. the most that's the most creative that that you I've seen you Woody get Newton so far. With your firstborn, um, maybe secondborn, or absolutely not. I don't know if really you trust the Syracuse coaching staff. Not I'm Woody sorry, Newton. Syracuse I mean, Woody Newton's staff. already off to Oklahoma State, so I don't know how no much. No trust there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no trust there. And look, bottom line is Kyle Flipowski has a lot of options. We both agree that those options are better. And, you know, if if and when Kyle Flipowski does not go to Syracuse, then maybe that's a wink-wink, nudge-nudge, and, and Donovan Klingon as well does not go to Syracuse. Maybe that's a wink-wink, nudge-nudge for Jim Beheim is saying, hey, uh, you know, your model, unsustainable as a recruiter in that you can't have guards recruiting and developing your big men. And that's why John Bolajak left. That's why Frank Anselm is a little rattled. And that's why Barama Sidibe, in my opinion, never really blossomed because Alan Griffin is not equipped to develop a center of the future, especially in the 2-3 zone, which is not easy for fives. Yeah, uh, you're right. I mean, there's there's nothing more that I can say to that And I love Alan sentiment. Griffin. Yeah. I love him. I'm the biggest Alan Griffin fan on the Fizz staff, and I'm still saying this. Last question. Is he the new head coach when Beheim leaves? Alan Griffin? Yes. Get out of here. Are you kidding me? Uh, no, I'm not saying if you want him, is he? No. Okay. That's even le- No, no, no. <laughs> you it's, a- it's Adrian Autry. This is a side. It's Adrian Autry, <laughs> and Jerry McNamara gets promoted to the associate head coach. But that that does it for this edition of Fizz Radio. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, at OrangeFizz. We have all those polls. They're not going anywhere. They're going to stick around a little bit longer. And check out our website, orangefizz.net. Brad Klein, 
Cameron Ezer signing off. It's basically 10 o'clock. Any have any parting words real quick? Uh, not really. It's been a lot of fun. Love uh, entertaining Fizz Nation. We'll see you in three weeks. Salute!